Friday lunchtime lectures at the Open Data Institute. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about, um, yes, our user interface, or just a map, as I like to call it. It's just a map. That's all it is. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about who we are. Um, so I'm from New Economy, which is the research and strategy arm of the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. The other part of Mapping GM, which isn't with us today, is Salford City Council, which is part of the Combined Authority. We're then going to talk to you about why we developed Mapping GM what on earth it is, um, what we learnt in trying to develop Mapping GM. Um, I think one of the things to say is none of the Mapping GM people are open data people. We are researchers and we are um, GIS people. So we are people who like data, we use a lot of open data, we like maps, but we're not open data people. Um, and then we're going to talk about how we're developing Mapping GM. So starting with... Um, who we are? So Greater Manchester, a little, little geographical um, tip. So Greater Manchester, we're the red at the top. So um, and we're in London, which is the blue at the bottom. Um, and our arrow is going over Yorkshire. We're really sorry. Um, <laughs> so a little, a little bit of regional rivalry going on there. Um, so um, sorry, ODI Leeds, you're free listening. Um, so Greater Manchester, and we're these ten local authorities. So Bolton, Bury, Manchester, Oldham, Rochdale, Salford, Stockport. Tameside, Trafford, and Wigan. And we make up the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. Other people who are in the GM family um, include Transport for Greater Manchester, Greater Manchester Police, the Greater Manchester LEP, and our Fire and Rescue Service. Um, so what we do is we work together and do lots of things collaboratively. So before we go on to talk about the development of um, Just a Map, or Mapping GM, we're just going to start with... Um, First things first, so this was from Peter, who I've met and had a discussion to, um, asking us questions about our terms and conditions. Um, we get this asked quite a lot. Um, we are, we're really friendly. Um, Mapping GM is me and Chris, who's sitting at the back, um, and Rob and John. Um, and I think it really helps us explain what Mapping GM is and why we have terms and conditions and why we don't. Um, if you want to see our metadata, it's free. You don't need to go through any terms and conditions. There's no, no entry point. Um, but I don't really want to get stuck on this, but I want to just talk about it quickly. So what is Mapping GM? So what is? It's very pragmatic. We're really pragmatic. What we wanted to do was build something that worked, that people could use. Our users are local authority bureaucrats, um, developers. When I say developer, I mean builder. I mean, somebody, I mean, built environment, um, politicians and citizens. Um, we use open, open data. We don't really supply it. We, really, we like to take open data and use it. Mapping GM is a service that visualizes data. So we pull it together and make it look pretty, and we provide analysis functions. We don't provide open or linked data, although just a little note that Swirl, who are an open data um, organization in Manchester, have um, transformed some of our data into linked data so that it's available on their website and on the GM data synchronization project. Um, we map public and private sector data, and this is one of the reasons we have terms and conditions. We're very risk-averse with public sector, with council. Um, so one of the things we want to say is, please use this data, use this map as a way to make a decision about whether or not to develop in a place, but then go back and check the source data because things could have changed. We don't want you digging a hole based on what you're seeing on our map, and that's quite important to us. Um, we're very limited in resource. Mapping GM is a tiny team. It's two and a half people. Um, it's about 10% of me. Um, it's full-time of one, one um, project manager. It's full-time one developer, and then a little bit of that developer's boss's time. Um, we use a lot of open source products um, purposefully in development of Mapping GM. That was quite important to us. Um, and it can be used commercially. You can use the data in it, but we wouldn't expect um, our map to be sold by other people. So we own the IP for it. So GMCA owns the IP for Mapping GM, and that was very purposeful. So moving on to the Mapping GM family. Um, so um, we have lots of Mapping GM maps. So um, in 2014, we developed our infrastructure map. The blues on here mean that the data is open for anyone to see. It's open to the public. Um, the two land commission ones here at the moment are actually in development, so they're um, not quite open yet. Green means we'd love to do it. And red means that the, um, the maps are closed to the GM family. The GM family is broad, but um, it's only people who work for the public sector in Greater Manchester can access the stuff in the red maps. And that's to do with data access, and that's one of the issues we have, but we can, um, I'll go over that in a little bit more detail later. So what I'm going to really talk to you about is um, the infrastructure map, which took us about eight months to develop. 
And then in 2015, we developed our GMSF, so um, lots of acronyms, Greater Manchester Spatial Framework, which basically is a big local plan, a map for them. Um, we've then developed a consultation map, and we're also developing a land commission map. So why did we develop Mapping GM, the infrastructure map? So in 2013, the Local Enterprise Partnership, who are a um, group of public and private sector organisations in Greater Manchester, really wanted to understand why developers, and in this I mean built environment developers, were not building in Greater Manchester. Around 4,000 homes a year are built in Greater Manchester. We need 10 to 11,000. So we wanted to understand why, why weren't they building. We've got lots of land, we've got lots of opportunity, why aren't they building? So it came about with lots of reasons, but the main barrier was understanding the infrastructure barriers and requirements. So for example, they wanted to know, if I build 200 homes, will there be the infrastructure there to serve them? And if not, um, what needs to be put in? So they want to understand what's currently, um, what's going on in the planning system. So um, can I just check, in the room here, is anyone here a planner? No. Okay, this is good. So I'm not going to um, patronise someone's profession. For those who are listening, I may. So we're just going to do a bit of town planning 101. Um, so planning is complicated. Start with the uh, National Planning Policy Framework. It's a great read. Um, <laughs> it tells you all about planning. But I think the first thing we need to understand is planners, local authority planners, need to work out how many homes they need in the next 20 years and how much employment land they need. They look at lots of projections. They then need to look at all of the land that they have in their local planning area, which is normally a council area, and do they have the infrastructure where they need the land. Then they, what they call, allocate land for a specific use. So they say this bit of land will be used for housing, this bit of land will be used for employment. Then, once this is allocated, the person who wants to build on that site has to apply for planning permission for use. But if they want to apply for planning permission for use, they need to understand what the infrastructure constraints and requirements are. So I want to build 200 homes. Does the electricity network exist on that site? Does water network exist? Is it in a flood risk area? Is it in Greenbelt? And if so, what would I do to mitigate this? I can still build there, but what am I going to do to mitigate it? But it's really hard to find out about the infrastructure, and this is where Mapping GM came from. How on earth do you find this out? So the planning profession does use maps quite a lot. Um, and here's three examples of how they use maps. So a little standard GIS map up at the top. Um, it's not pretty. It's not nice. It's done by GIS teams. I, as their, their, their manager, say, actually, I really want to know about one of these areas. Well, can I, can I zoom in? They then have to remap. They have to zoom in. I don't know how to use the GIS tools. This is quite good. Um, then the next thing that developer, um, local planning authorities often receive from developers, from people to build, is maps which are coloured in. So there's a base layer. It's a nice little OS base layer, but it's coloured in, and then they have to digitise it. And then the final one, um, which is really common to receive, is someone has drawn their own map, as we can see on the left. So I would like to develop this red, red little um, space next to Park Road between Wood Street and Schofield Avenue, and there's River Irk below. I then need to go and look on a map and remap it. This, honestly, we receive stuff like this. So what we wanted to do was try and make, make it easier to understand what was going on on sites and make it easier for people to look at maps. So we, we came up with the idea, and we got some funding from Cabinet Office, so um, we have to thank them for that, to say we want to build an interactive, open data infrastructure map of Greater Manchester. And what people came back with is they said, that's great, but I would like an interactive super map that does everything and makes me breakfast in the mornings. And we said, that's great. Um, and what they want to know is, if I put 200 homes here, what does it do to the city above and below ground? Is it predictive? Can I use it? And we said, that's great, but that's really expensive. And we don't think we can do that. So let's start with just a map. Um, so the first thing we wanted to understand is, who's, who's actually going to use this super duper map or any map? Do we know what data we want? Do we know who enough owns this data? We know there's a lot of data that planners look at. We know they get it from lots of places, but we don't know who enough owns it. We've got questions about why don't we just use our own GIS systems. We were very keen to say, no, let's not do that. Let's make it very easy for people who aren't GIS users to access. For, um, New Economy and GMCA, we said, who can build this for us? We don't know how to build this. We're not coders. We're not, we're not IT developers. And whatever is built, can it please look pretty? Um, we really don't want it to look like a traditional GIS system. So those of you who may have seen traditional GIS systems, they are not pretty. We want it to be someone who likes them pretty. So in terms of who can build it for us, um, we went out to tender and we said, we want someone to build us a map of infrastructure, social and physical, 
across Greater Manchester. We want it to be open source. We want it to use open data. We've got 11 people came back to us. Um, five or six of them said, we could build it for you if you buy some licenses off us. Four of them said, we can build it for you and we'll make it into a linked data store and it'll be amazing. One of them was Salford City Council and they came back to us and they said, we're also a local authority. And we understand that you want something that will work off Internet Explorer 9. We'll <laughs> recognize that you, um, your uh, security won't let you look at any websites. Um, your data will be in a complete mess. Your ownership will be really, really difficult. Um, but we can build something for you, and it will look nice, and it will work, and we can do it quickly for you. So they built it for us between November and March. Um, so it was a very, very quick build. So, that's fine with who do we think users would be. Um, so we thought the people who would use the map. Um, so we thought planners, very importantly, local authority town planners would use the map. Um, developers, people want to build things. Citizens, we really want citizens to be able to really understand what's going on in that area. So we often get questions as planners saying, well, why hasn't this site been built on? It looks like a great site. And normally it's because it's quite floody. Um, so that, but they don't know that because they don't have access to data. We thought politicians would use it. Um, analysts like myself, I wanted to use it. Um, and also, and it was really difficult to find a picture of business which wasn't gendered. So business people. So we thought the business people would use it quite a lot. Um, and we wanted it to be something which was used by people who didn't really know anything about data, didn't really care about data, but they wanted to build or they wanted to not build, but they wanted to understand the physical and social infrastructure. So the next thing we went on, and we said, well, what data do we want? And we said, we want this type of data which will help us make decisions about physical and social infrastructure, including utilities. So the top ones were flood risk. We need to know about flood risk. We know the Environment Agency has this data. We use it quite often. Greenbelt's really important. Schools are very important. Politically, they're incredibly important. If you build something, you have to think about your school capacity. So we want to have as much school data on there as possible. We really wanted the electricity network, and that's from the private sector. We'd like the gas network, um, and we would like to have the transport network. So what we did is we went away, and we started looking for the data. And this is what took our time. Building the map, it took some time, but finding the data is really what took some time. Spent a lot of time on data.gov.uk, which I'm sure you're all very familiar with. Um, we downloaded a lot of data. We looked at the licenses. Went to Natural England, got lots of downloads from them. Historic England, got loads of downloads from them. Uh, Department for Education has a great um, database called EduBase2, and we use that. TFGM, who are Transport for Greater Manchester, provided us um, data in two ways, um, through their, um, their data sets, which we could just link off, but they also um, gave us shapefiles. Um, now, local authorities and private sector were our problems, so uh, local authorities are us. They have a lot of data, but it's quite difficult to find it. Um, who to speak to in a local authority about data is not as easy as you would think. We, again, and I think it's because we're researchers and we're slightly different, different users of the data, so I look after planning and housing research for Greater Manchester, so I went to my planning colleagues. I didn't go see open data contacts. Not every part of the local authority has an open data person. The open data person doesn't actually collect all the open data. Some of our local authorities said, oh, open data, that's about how much I'm paid, isn't it? And we said, oh, that's some of it. Some of them said, oh, I don't have the data. Um, so we used our planning contacts to get to it. Um, with the private sector data, our LEP, our local enterprise partnership, has an infrastructure advisory group who who's, um, include the electricity and providers, the water providers, the, um, the um, communications providers on there. So we went direct to them. So we, we were quite lucky. We went very senior. We went to chief execs. We went to lead officers. We didn't go to the open data person. So it was quite a different approach. So let's talk about local authority data. Um, we would like it to look like the, uh, the file box on the, um, on, on the right. It normally looks like the data on the left. It's in a mess. They, they, none of them had agreed or organized or set schema about how on earth you collect their data. None of the, some of them didn't even know where their data was. We received PDFs. We received shapefiles. We received Excel downloads, we received links to websites to get the data. So let's start with tree preservation orders. They're a nice, easy one. Um, so we need to know about tree preservation orders. Basically, what this means is if there's a tree preservation order in an area, it says that that tree needs to be preserved. So you need to think about whether you can, you can knock it down or not. And if you, can, if you can't, how are you going to build on that site? They're very important um, and very difficult to work on. Around. So what we did is we said to the planners, can we have your TPO data? And they said, yep. 
And what we said is give it to us in whatever form you have it. We don't care what form you have it in it. Just send it to us. We don't want you to do any work. We want to do the work. So what poor Chris, who's sitting in the back, did is he cleaned their data. He cleaned 10 data sets. And what he did is he created a data schema based on the lowest common denominator. So, for example, if one local authority had the type of tree, the height of the tree, the age of the tree, the width of the trunk of the tree, but the other one just had there's a tree here, the data had all of the data from Greater Manchester was there's a tree here. We didn't try to get the one who didn't have the extra information to put all the extra information in. And we were quite pragmatic about this because we wanted the data. We didn't want to enforce the schema on them. So it was a very different way of working. And that resulted in us getting lots of data. And what that's also meant is we now can send them out, cleaned up schemas, and ask them to update the data, which we've cleaned for them, into a current format, as opposed to imposing a schema on them. Um, this was very much recognizing the difficulty of getting data. And the local authorities, they're us, they're our friends, so they're easy. Um, so the private sector. Um, the private sector were really interesting, actually. So the first thing they said to us is, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds really interesting. But why would we release our data to you? <laughs> we have an income stream related to our data. People have to search our data to decide whether or not they want to build on the site. They said, you probably won't understand it. You know, you're clever, but you're not utilities experts. But you know what? We do really want to work with you, and we want to work with Greater Manchester. We want Greater Manchester to grow, and we want, to under, we want people to develop here. So what we did is we came to some halfway agreements, and I think this links to the terms and conditions. So one of our utilities providers said, here's, your, here's our data, but can you not make it so you can zoom in too far? Because we, we don't want there to be very detailed views of our data. Another one said, you can have it. It's a GM family, but you can't share it with the public. So we've got one bit of utilities data that we have, and we can share with all our planners and all of our transport colleagues, but we can't share with the general public, which is frustrating. Another one said, no way. We're not giving that to you. That's our commercial data. So we kind of decided to go with what we could get as opposed to what, what we wanted, and we were very, very practical about it. And again, we cleaned up the data. We took the shape files. We cut up the data. Poor old Chris got to learn all about different types of electricity communication networks. We color-coded it ourselves. So from all of this, the next problem we faced was licensing. So as I said, we're, we're not open data people. We don't really understand about licensing. So we took, we took legal advice. Um, we used some IP lawyers. And the first question we wanted to ask was, who on earth owns this data? And we recognize we don't own any of the data. What we own with Mapping GM is the derived database of the data being drawn together. We don't own the data. Um, then we wanted to understand, does the license actually allow us to use the data in the way that we want to use it? So with um, some of the flood data, there's different levels of flood data. Some is really publicly available. Some can only be used by local authorities. Um, where do we find the license for the data? Um, the ODI licenses are great, but not everyone has them. The open government licenses are great. Lots of them don't have them. We had to develop a license with the private sector about how we use our data. And what you'll find is on our metadata page, we always, always refer to a license. So you can always see where the license is, and you can read it. And you can then, hopefully, it'll help understand why we've done different things with data. Um, and our terms and conditions are there because we're very risk averse and we want our private sector data in there. We don't want to have a map without private sector data, so we have to have terms and conditions. We're really open to working out how else we could deal with this. We'd like to, um, but at the moment, that's the case. OS, also for licensing. Ordnance Survey. Um, Ordnance Survey are actually our friends. Um, we, get, we get on very well with them. Um, we were the first place where they allowed us to use our presumption to publish. So with a lot of the local authority data, we've got a presumption to publish on it. So our TPOs all have a presumption to publish. Um, on some of our other maps, which I'll talk about in a minute, we use um, OS's API and we feed in their maps direct. Um, so we're, we get on very well with them, we're very lucky. Um, but they did change quite a lot in the time that we worked with them. They're becoming more and more open. So finally, so let's, um, well not finally, but um, what was the new map? So the new map had 130 layers, lots of data types, lots of sources. Um, the purple closed data is the stuff which, unfortunately, was quite difficult to get. And we, we collected and we produced, and it, it's shown in different ways. Um, hosted data is quite nice and easy. The stuff published in considered format, we pull across. Less helpful data sets we have to make ourselves. And we have a few static data sets, so they're dated. And also, if you look in our metadata and our terms and conditions, you see the date on it. That is also one of the other reasons for the terms and conditions, because not all the data is up to date. So we're saying, please, 
please don't rely on this. Check the most up-to-date data. So um, this is for those of you who are interested in the technology of how it's built. Um, and we will skip, skip on quickly because this is not my area. I'm the policy and research person. So what are our internal questions and learning about mapping GM and our first one? Um, data ownership is really hard. We thought it was really straightforward, but it's not. Um, the data is often not up to date. Some of the data we received from our local authorities um, is quite old. Um, the data is often in a messy format. Um, one of the things we've got, which I think is quite interesting, is we try as much as possible to use um, whole country data sets, feed them in and cut them down for GM, because we, we want consistency. Some of our local authorities came back and said, our data's wrong. <laughs> we said, but you return that to government. So there's, there's a little bit about the internal communication. Um, lots of questions like who on earth is making the decision about whether whether or not to release the data, whether or not to add the data. So our planning colleagues, pretty happy for us to have anything. Um, some of our IG people, less happy. It's quite interesting about who we spoke to. Um, we learned how to work with OS, which was very good. Um, and then we developed some rules for new layers, because everyone wants to, everyone, everyone loves a map. And they wanted to, they want new layers. So our rules are, is it strategic? So will this data help us make a decision about strategic planning? And when we mean planning, we mean building stuff. Is the data open, if possible? And if it's not open, do you have the license to say that we can use it, display it, access it? Is it local? I know this sounds really silly, but is it, is it data which goes lower than a local authority level? Otherwise, it just looks like a splotchy GIS map. And is the data spatial? Again, it sounds silly, but often it's not spatial. So this is Odin. So our first map, um, um, GM Odin, or is um, available to all of you. Um, it's got over 60 layers of social physical infrastructure. It's freely available. Most data is accessible and downloadable. To download the data, um, go via our metadata, and it will link you back to the source data, because we like to link back to the source data, or it gives you a WMS if we can provide one, or a WFS. Um, and then we have a closed map for the GM family, which has additional data in it. So what did we do? We built on just a map. So we built a map, which proved that we could build a map. And I think one of the things around mapping GM was saying, we can build something useful, we can build something accessible, and we can build something that people can use who don't really care about data, but they care about seeing where stuff is. So what, one of the things we wanted to do was make the planning process more open and accessible. We really wanted to make mapping and data more consistent in Greater Manchester. We wanted to build analytics into just a map. We wanted to provide stuff which was user-friendly. And we wanted to identify more data to add and use. And we wanted to continue working with our partners. So the other maps we built, this is our um, call for sites map, submission map. And what this map does is, in the planning process, when you're looking to work out where you need to spatially put your stuff, you go out and you say to the general public and Greater Manchester in this moment, do you have any land that you'd like to develop? If so, where is it? What do you want to develop it for? And how? Normally, the way you get this is you, um, you put a PDF on your website, which someone prints off, they fill in, and then they send back to you a, um, hopefully, hopefully an OS layer with the site with a red line around it. Often, they send you a little sketch. So what we thought is, let's make this really easy. So we've made a map where people can submit sites directly by drawing on it. So what they do is they decide where their site is, they fill in some information, and then they submit the layer. What this allows us to do very quickly is it saves a lot of time because our officers don't have to do it. It makes, um, makes planning quite democratic. Although, interestingly, we did find out that people were charging people to do this. So we created business in Greater Manchester. We're very proud of this. Um, but what we wanted was it to be very user-friendly. Anyone, anyone who's used to Google Maps can do this. Once they've submitted a site and we've looked at it and we've checked that they filled in the right information, they haven't drawn any um, inappropriate shapes. Um, None so far. It's very upsetting. Um, we, then, um, we then assess the sites. And what we do is we run a ton of spatial queries on the sites. And what these spatial queries do is they ask things like, is a sign a, risk, a flood risk zone? If so, what proportion is in the flood risk zone? This is no different than that people would have done on their own GIS systems, but it's done for the whole of Greater Manchester. Then what it does is it allows our planners to use their planning skills to make decisions about these sites, to actually understand it. We can't make a decision about whether or not to build on a flood risk area, but our planners can make a decision. They understand local policy. And it provides so much consistency, and we're very keen to have consistency. As well as this, this analytics tool, we have also built um, 
our consultation map. So at the moment, Greater Manchester is consulting on our spatial plan, which is where we're going to develop for the next 20 years. It's, it's very exciting. We are... We're very, very excited about this. Um, but what we want to do was make the planning process really open. So normally what happens when a local authority does this, it's hardly ever 10. London does it, but in a different way. So we're the only place which does it in 10, we do it. We wanted to say, if you look at, so these orange sites are sites which we're suggesting for development. If you look at this site, you can then look at it in relation to other geospatial data, and you can start understanding why this site has or has not been proposed. And it helps people make decisions so they can say, oh, it's near a school. This school is under capacity, over capacity. Oh, it's in a flood risk area. Oh, it's not. Oh, someone put this site forward for development. It really helps make the planning system more open, more democratic, easier to understand. The one we're currently developing is our land commission map. Um, so what we get, the question we got is, can't you expand your just map to the wider public sector? Um, I think that's kind of a view that everyone knows where the public sector land is. Um, they really don't. The public sector is huge, it's massive. We know where the local authority land is. What we've got on here now is all of our local authority land, most of our health assets, most of the central government assets in Greater Manchester. And this is going to help us understand about the potential on our own sites. It's, it's a test version at the moment, so this is a little treat for you all to see. But we are, we are planning on opening this up and having lots of analytics tools. So, so what have we learned in our mapping GM journey? <laughs> So finding data is really hard, and people protect their data. Building, building it's not that hard. Finding the data is so difficult. Um, trans I think translating also thing, translating what the policy people want into how it looks is also quite hard. So again, Chris, who manages mapping GM for us, spends a lot of time saying, I know you want this, but do you really want this, or do you want this, this, and this? And is this how we're going to make it look? Colors? Planners, there's rules about colours. Um, the tools need to be really easy for people whose mapping experience is Google Map. So I think this is really important. We didn't want to make anything that looked like a GIS tool. We wanted to make it look something really user-friendly, really easy to use. Um, it saves so much time for local authorities with analytics and digitisation. We think it saved around four months to plan a time. Um, so really good saving. Um, and the private sector provided really positive feedback. Developers e.g. built environment, house builders, they really like the map. They email us going, this is great. This is a wonderful tool. Thank you so much for building this. Could we also have this, this, and this? Um, and I think we kind of recognise it's not perfect, but we're doing something and it's a great start. We're not pure. We're very, very pragmatic. So if you want to contact us, um, here's our email address. Please ask us lots of questions. Um, here's the Mapping GM website. We have a Twitter feed. Um, Chris and I are the main contacts in New Economy in terms of the research people um, for Mapping GM policy stuff. So... It's kind of for you to ask me questions. Thank you very much. That was really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, I'll just come up. Oh, I yeah, think we right, can share this space. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say, I, th I think it's really interesting that uh, a lot of this is about the physical infrastructure and mapping that physical infrastructure. And I think it speaks really interestingly to the stuff that we've been saying um, at the ODI about data is infrastructure. Yeah. And a lot of that was, seems like there are lots of different like, uh, like overlaps there where you're looking to find the data infrastructure to support yep. the physical infrastructure. So I think that's just really interesting. Um, I actually also had a question, and this is probably because I'm a researcher and this is what I have to do, but um, what are you doing in order to... Uh, track the people that are using it, or, or do you know of any interesting ways that people are using your map? Um, yeah, um, so that's a really good question. Um, and as a researcher, I'm a terrible researcher, and I don't evaluate my own projects, because, <laughs> no, it's, it's fine, it's great. Um, so we know, we know that um, planning consultancies are using it lots. And um, what we get, actually, is a lot of queries from GIS people saying, provide us with the data. So we seem to have become the data doorway for Greater Manchester for physical and social stuff, which is great. Um, our team use it. One of the reasons are one of my favourite uses of mapping GM is the most basic. But my team used to spend hours mapping where schools were and mapping the names of wards and producing GIS maps which showed the names of wards. And now our team use mapping GM themselves and we watch them self-serve. Yeah. So that's one of the best things. Um, our planning colleagues have used it to develop their spatial framework. They've used it to make decisions about where to build. Um, and developers um, use it um, a lot. 
Um, yeah. And I used it in presentations. So. Fantastic. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about that more. But if anyone has any other questions from the floor, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to be roving here. I'm going to give you the mic for the people online. If you could just say who you are and what your question is. OK, hi. Uh, my name's George. Um, I'm actually an architect and uh, also do some development work. But I'm also building a map with very similar properties to this yep. for that sort of purpose. But it's, it's for, it's, yeah, it's to assess whether or not um, there's development opportunities layering like TPOs, conservation areas, yep. all that sort of uh, statutory information, as well as demographic stuff. Yeah. So to see who's going to be going past there, because it's, it's relating to sort of promotional purposes. So, so um, yeah. demographic stuff, we want to add. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's on our list. Yeah, um, no, there's a huge list, yeah. right, yeah. No, but that's why it sounds great. It's actually one of our um, perceived clients would have been statute as well, because uh, we're working in London, though, um, because um, I, uh, it would help them to maybe assess sort of planning policy. And it's quite interesting to hear that you have actually... Yeah. Got quite far with it already and sort of validated yeah. that assumption, yeah. Yeah, and, and we're really willing to share what we've done. Um, we're also working with or talking to the West Yorkshire Combined Authority about what we're doing. We're kind of in contact with the North East. So I think the other thing is other bits of the public sector <coughs> contact us all the time. And they say, yeah. how, how did you do this? This is really quite good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Because it is, it is quite a manual task. Like We've gone through TPO uh, PDFs, which is just a dress and is there a tree in the garden, yeah. basically. Uh, there's no sort of uh, coordinates or anything a lot of the time. So it's just that you get sort of land registry boundary or something. Yeah. But, also, um, sometimes yeah. the data's missing. So we yeah, know yeah. this. Okay, well, so there might be a protected tree that's not yeah. shown so on the... Yeah, so Chris, yeah. sitting behind you, his TPO in his own garden is not on our map. Uh, <laughs> okay, good, yeah. Um, yeah, actually, one of the main... Because uh, the Land Registry Act 2000 or something, I think. I'm not sure. There is, there's, there's an act which made it... Um, a requirement to register your boundary yeah. after a certain time. But if your property hasn't transacted after that time, it will never show on land registry. Yes. So there's quite big gaps onto land ownership, actually, which we found, because yeah. properties which haven't um, changed hands past, I think it's 2000, or something around yeah. that, um, won't show up. So that's what we've, I don't, we don't actually know how to establish that. I think it generally goes through a solicitor at that yeah. time of purchase. So land ownership is something we're missing and we'd like to add um, yeah. for lots of reasons. Um, we love land registry. We love their data. Mm. Um, we don't have that. Idea. What I want is I don't want the boundaries. I want the covenants and I want the owners, which yeah, yeah. is closed. And that's that's right. We we could pay for it, but yeah. it's a lot of money. Um, and that's something that we, our planners really need. So at the moment, we use Mapping GM as much as we can. Um, it's used for all spatial planning in Greater Manchester, but then they have to do separate searches and ownership's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. No, it's all, it's all positive stuff. Yeah. But yeah, just uh, describing issues yeah. we've come across as well because it's not. Is it land registry is not vectorized either, is it? It's not like it's all sort of sketches that we've sort of photoshopped together so you can see. Uh, no, under, I think under Inspire they've got an open data layer. So oh, really? Yeah, so, so Inspire, okay. they, but what all the, all the Inspire open data does is it gives you where it is, which is great, but, and it gives you a reference, but you still need to check. Yeah, yeah. And doesn't okay. give you the covenants. Okay, yeah, thank you very much. Cheers. Does anyone? Oh, yeah. <coughs> Yes, um, Mark Harvey from Resurgence, uh, an open data institute startup. Um, you've mentioned sort of its value and usefulness for new, new development and for planning. Uh, what about actually for identifying, say, flooding risk to existing developments and existing infrastructure? Because I think the, the government in July published its National Flood Resilience Review, which said that there were, across the country, at least 600 pieces of local infrastructure, public infrastructure, could be schools, could be hospitals, could be transport facilities that, that were not protected from future flooding risk. I'm just wondering whether actually this could help, say, a school governor identify whether the school that they were governing was, was at flooding risk and ask questions such as, what's the insurance for us, you know, looking five, ten years ahead? Do you think it could have that kind of utility? Yeah, I think yeah. it could. I mean, so one of the people who have access to it in the, uh, the Greater Manchester family, the governance is very confusing, but we have something called the Civil Contingencies Unit. They, um, they use the map, they have access to it, they have access to the closed map, so, um, and we think it could have that utility. It's really interesting, actually. When we get people who aren't planners to look at it, apart from looking where their house is, which is so front does on a map. Um, they look at the um, listed buildings and they look at flood risk. Those are the two layers that people look at. They look at, oh, what's quite interesting, and then they look at flood risk. Great. Yep. Thanks very much.
I'm interested to, sorry, Richard Duffield from GeoPlace. We maintain national address and street yeah. data. Um, I'm interested in having got to the point you're at now, how you create a model that can sustain what you do, because th this is now a huge job to maintain data, deal with feature requests, deal with new ideas, new users. Yeah. And how do you, how do you, have, you've got some initial funding, I think, from the cabinet office, yeah. but how do you, how do how you do sustain we maintain it? it? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Um, and that's, that's one of Mac and GM's uh, kind of concerns. Um, so we, we get funding for all the planning stuff through our planning team. Um, there's core funding for me. I'm not funded to do this. I'm funded to do planning and housing research, and this is integral to planning and housing research. So I do it. But we, um, what we are keen to do is to widen it across Greater Manchester to get it used more and more and more. But we also want other cities to use it. We we kind of so we work um, work quite closely with OS, um, and we we want to see how else we could develop it. Um, one of the things we're trying to do is prove how useful it is because then it's not just a nice project that goes on the shelf. So Greater Manchester has had lots of mapping projects in the past. We're not the first one, um, but we have been one who's managed to keep ourselves going. I think part of it was um, Soft City, City Council are, are amazing. They're very good. They built it open source, so they are not very expensive. So that's very important. They're also part of the family. I mean, part of the family is very important. Um, but actually, our spatial framework has proven the need for it and has proven the need to keep it going. Um, because planning is such a quick process, um, Mapping GM will definitely exist till 2018 because it supports planning. Have you, oh, can I ask a quick question before I go to Twitter? I'm asking Hannah. Um, I meant to be hosting this. Um, <laughs> my, my, my question would be, so you mentioned that there are lots of different uh, efficiencies coming across from using yeah. this. And obviously, one of the things that I would understand is if you can measure those efficiencies yeah. or make that business case. Are you taking any steps to do that within, yeah, yeah within the government? Yeah, so, so we spend a lot of time kind of making the case for mapping GM. Make it, so, um, our and this is why our planners are happy to pay for it, because they see that their planners are not having to digitise sites. They're not having to load GIS layers up, download stuff. It kind of, that, that's made the case to them. Um, we're also really lucky that we've got some quite senior buy-ins. So um, we have, I was explaining to... Um, someone here earlier about Greater Manchester governance, but we, um, we work to um, the, a chief exec lead for planning and housing who, um, who sees the value in it. Um, he, he regularly wants it to do things it can't do, um, but that does mean that we've got that senior buy-in. And I think what's been really interesting about Mapping GM is we weren't a team of researchers who said, let's do something interesting. We said, what do our planners need? So let's build something for them. Let's not build something for us. So we very much built something which then was useful and gets used again and again and again. Every presentation I do, I mention it, even, <laughs> even if it's not about mapping. I'm like, oh, about map. Fantastic. Um, yeah, I think we've got a Twitter question. Do we? we have. Yes. Yeah. Question from Catherine Rooney. She's from ODI Bristol. Um, is broadband fibre connectivity mapped to identify non-spots in locations for development? Mm, yes, good, good question. Um, so we map um, super fast broadband from Ofcom. So Ofcom have a data set. Um, so I couldn't actually, my, my laptop, I feel really embarrassed my laptop wouldn't connect to your internet because um, I'm, I'm not a data, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have a notebook normally. Um, but what it shows I think is really interesting is our regional centre, our city centre where all the work is, has appalling broadband. Um, so, and it shows that and, we, and we, we have that on there now. We really would like to have better data, but we, um, we rely on the Ofcom data. Cool. Do, do we have any more questions in the room? Yep. Hello, I'm Tony McGuire, neighbourhood researcher. Um, I noted that all this is physical environment, the built environment. Yeah. The social data, yes. and you're in housing, yes. is notoriously difficult to get hold of from local authorities. How are you going to go about tackling that? Because... My investigations have always been stymied by the National Land and Property Gazetteer owning, claiming ownership of yeah. almost all data yes. pertaining to social uh, distributions. So it's all great. So we have schools on there already, which is a little bit social. We're trying to get health data, but again, it's physical. What we want to do is we would like to, at a really basic start, feed the census in. It's not great, but it's a very good starting point. The other thing what we're keen to do is use welfare benefits data because that will give us an indication of some of the social issues. So um, Stat Explore, which um, I'd urge you all to look at, which is a DWP data set, which um, maps um, benefits data down to census output area 
and has very detailed socioeconomic data. So we can see how many um, families with dependent children are on housing benefits in a certain area. Um, we'd like to feed that in. So at the moment, we're at the stage of trying to prove the case that we need to do that. Um, and very much our planners are interested in the physical side. So because they are our primary stakeholder, that's who we work to. But we, we want to do that. And I think we'll take the same approach of being very practical about it and seeing what we can get, proving the case, and then trying to get more. Okay, so you don't have data like uh, toids, uh, the, the coordinates for each property, for example, all that kind of stuff, or um, social housing versus private housing. So, uh, oh no, so we'd get that from census, social housing versus private housing. It's something I'm, I'm an ex social housing person, so, um, so, so difficult to get for hundreds of different reasons, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. But that's where we'd like to use census data to at least give us indicators of the prevalence and primary, primary tenure of an area. But when your planners are de deciding where to put <coughs> school, for example, mm. or what the uh, catchment area of that school would be, they need social data, not just not physical data. Yes, yeah, no, I agree. And we, we want to add it in. We just, I think this comes down to the, the smallness of the team. There's, mm. there's two and a half of us, and we work to our stakeholders. But that is something that we, are, we would like to do this year or next year. So. Good, great stuff. Yeah, great. Do we have any more questions in the room? I know we've got a few more on Twitter. Do, do you want to take another one? Quick one, and then we'll get a couple of questions. Um, oh, yeah, George again. Um, do you know if there's... Um, uh, they, I think they've just mapped the Netherlands in all their use classes. So they've, mapped, they've managed to map the whole country and all their built environment and shaded it by use class. I think that was about a four-person sort of yeah. university joint effort as well. Um, but that's quite interesting. I don't think that sort of resource exists yet for the UK. Right, no. <laughs> no, so, um, idea, so, so the, the other ones we know examples of. So we like to say we're the only open data infrastructure map in the UK. Um, Australia's done the whole country. So um, <laughs> that's, um, you know, this is quite sparse. There's <laughs> <laughs> a few cities there. Um, no, we haven't done that yet. We're working quite closely with OS, and what we're quite keen to do with Ordnance Survey is um, they've got some really interesting data about... Um, Change, change of use and using address space, actually. So we'd, um, we're quite keen to work with them. Um, we would love to do more, and I think this comes down just to the size of the team, two and a half of us. Yeah, yeah, no, yes. it's all a dream more than that. Yeah. Especially change of use is interesting because of the, uh, was, uh, the permitted development rights. Yeah. A lot of commercials turn to residential, yeah. and now they're putting in these Article 4s to try and stop that. And you can sort of turn, you can stop the tides. Yeah. It's quite yeah. useful, yeah. And we'd, we'd like to do it um, historically, so to see how yeah, quickly yeah, yeah. it's happened. Um, so we're really keen to do... Do lots of extra exciting things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm sure you can take up a few more of those later if you've got more. Have we got more Twitter? More Twitter the yep. voice of Twitter. I am the voice of Twitter. Um, ODI Ottawa this time uh, is asking Are there any estimates to the cost savings associated to providing the mapping service to planning teams? That would be a good one. I'd have to do it off the top of my head. Um, so if a planner costs us 35 grand a year with overheads, for four months of 35 grand a year. My mental arithmetic is not good enough. Um, but we have, so we have in Greater Manchester, we have 10 planning teams. Um, we also have a tiny, tiny central planning team, the three of them. And then we have a tiny, tiny central research team. There is five of us who do planning, housing, and environment. Um, but we have saved, what we've saved is we've meant that each local authority doesn't need to use their GIS person to map, and they don't need to use their local authority person. So it's... We, we need to estimate it. Um, it's a very good good thing to do. Yeah, please, please share that with all of us. Uh, yeah. that, that make my job easier. Yeah. Um, I, I have a question as well now, thinking about, so obviously there are lots of different ways you could take this. There are lots of constraints in, in, in only having a small team. Yeah. Have you looked into any ways that you can get other people involved? If people want to add layers, if they yeah. want to provide their data and get it on the map, um, have you taken any steps yeah. to go in that more collaborative direction? So uh, we have a suggestion form. Okay, um, yeah. So, uh, Chris, how many suggestions have we had since we've been live? Thirteen. 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 Since, since 2015, we went live. Thirteen people have said new layers. Um, so we, um, but what we say in the suggestions, um, we say, is our test. Is it strategic? Do you have the data? If you have the data, send it to us. Is it open and is it mapped? Um, 
I know I've heard that we get lots of things. People say, oh, wouldn't it be absolutely wonderful if you could map um, where every um, pet grooming um, premises is in Greater Manchester? And we say, yeah, that would be great, but that's not strategic. And you don't have that data mapped. Um, but we, um, we are really open to people adding. And what we'd like to do, ideally, is almost plug things in. So my desire for census data, if there was an API somewhere which had the census data mapped, I just want to plug it in. I don't want my team to be mapping the census because someone else has done it. Interesting, interesting. Um, do we have any more questions on the floor or on Twitter? Yes. Um, yes. Give you this, just... Hi, it's Tony McGuire again. Uh, have other authorities taken up your lead here? Um, we're talking to lots, so no one's done it yet. We know, um, we know some counties have done it, so Lancashire have a map. I believe Cornwall have a map. Hampshire have a map. Um, but no combined authorities. Um, so Leeds, we're talking to, or West Yorkshire combined authority, we're talking to. Um, Tees Valley, LEP have talked to us. Um, so um, we, um, I think for us, it's quite interesting. We've had discussions with other public sector people. They've said, you kind of need a reason to do it, not just it would be nice to do. And our reason was our spatial framework. So it was a very clear reason that we need to understand where we need to build in the next 20 years. But we... Um, would, uh, we want to work with more people and want to share with them. Okay. Have you been speaking to people in London? Is that because I often find that when we get people down and we're like, there seems yeah. to be that sort of difference yeah. between. So we've, we've talked to London. Um, so um, we're not going to be competitive. We're <laughs> <laughs> um, so London have done lots of interesting stuff. They, they don't, they don't, they haven't done what we've done yet. Um, Internally, they have some amazing things and they have some amazing predictive things, um, but they haven't published it openly. I think for a quick note on how Greater Manchester works, it's pretty quite important. So Greater Manchester has 10 local authorities working together. There'll be a mayor next year. So, but what it is, is it's equal. So all 10 plus a mayor have an equal vote on everything. All, so all 11 of them make an equal decision. So that means that it's not like London where you've got the mayor and his or her cabinet and, her and their deputy mayors, who then are, are a layer on top of the boroughs. The GMCA is just alongside the town. So we are, we're, quite, we're quite different in the way we work. But I think that's also meant that this has been quite successful because we can talk to local authorities. So um, with the policy leads on this, as well as the LEP, are um, a POG, Planning Officers Group. Yes, POG, Play Role, Housing Officers Group. Um, and we occasionally talk to FROG, which is Flood Risk Officers Group. Um, there's, occasionally there's a FOG as well, which is combined, all of them. Um, but POG are the chief planners from each of the 10 local authorities. They're the ones who steer what we do. So it's not me saying, I think you should do this. It's them saying, we need this. Do you think, so I, I was going to ask a question earlier about, about bringing people together to collaborate on these yeah. sort of projects. Because a lot of the ones where you see success, it is people doing things more collaboratively. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you say that the actual local authority structure and the whole yeah. Great Manchester thing actually sort of lends itself better yeah. to that sort of collaborative uh, like way of doing work. Do you think that's played a role? Do you yeah, think? no, I'd agree. I mean, so the, I mean, Great Manchester has worked together for the last 30 years. So devolution is, is excellent and is exciting, but it took 30 years to get to that point. So you've got 30 years of working together with a governance structure of an agreement that actually we need to do things together. We're, we're better as a 10 rather than as 10 individuals. So that collaboration makes it quite straightforward in to get the, the feedback. And it also means we have quite a lot of senior buy-in. Um, I suppose the other thing to say is um, I, I work for the 10. That's my team. We, we work for the 10. We do the research for the 10. Our spatial framework, for um, any planners who are listening, um, is a spatial framework of the 10. It's very different from the London plan. So the London plan is a plan for London, which then <clears throat> relates to the local authorities who have to do it. The um, Greater Manchester Spatial Framework, which is what this supports, alongside other things, has to be signed off by all 10 local authorities, has to get through all 10 local authorities' um, cabinets, plus the mayor. So you have 11 votes. The mayor's vote is no different than the vote of the other 10. But that means that you it almost forces collaboration. Um, but it also works. Greater Manchester genuinely works together and has all those senior decision makers around the table. Fantastic. Um, I think we can have time for one more question. You got a Twitter question? Yeah. Always bounce it out. Voice of Twitter is back. Um, it's another ODI node. It's ODI Leeds this time. Oh. 
Who built the platform? Oh, Salford City Council. Um, yeah, so um, Salford City Council. Um, some tech people, I'd probably to let ODI and Leeds know, so our northern friends. Um, we're sorry we went over you with our arrow. Um, <laughs> so the people who bid for it, we had um, some big, sort of big consultancies, your sort of standard big consultancies. Fine, great. Wanted to kind of sell us licenses. We had some very little startups, some tech people. They kind of wanted to build a linked data store, and we didn't really understand what they wanted. And so they, they, were, they were pitching um, to me, to Chris, to our lead planner, to a projects developer, and um, someone from University of Salford called Terence Fernando. And what we really wanted was someone who could explain what we wanted, and they couldn't explain it to us. Um, so Jamie White also was really helpful, so just to, to note, um, who you're probably all very familiar with, so Jamie really advised us and helped us when we put the initial bid together, um, and has advised us throughout the process. Um, but Salford, Salford won it because they, for lots of reasons, they could explain what we want, they could explain what we wanted, they knew what we wanted, they could build it in the timescale we wanted it built on, and they were really, really flexible. So if we were having problems with our local authority people about transforming the data, they'd speak to the IT people about transforming it. So it was a very collaborative. But yeah, it was them. They're great. So it's um, two, just two people in the council who are two good GIS guys who did it for us. That's really good. And, and you mentioned that it's it's open source as well. Yeah, the, yeah. the platform. So it you could read this, uh, like reuse it just mm. off the back. Well, obviously yeah. you've got to plug in the different. Yeah, so it's, so, so it's open source, it's plugged in. So what, what we own the IP on, so we do own the IP on it, we own the IP on the kind of the look and the feel of it and the derived database. It's purposefully open source for lots of reasons. That was also why Salford won it. It's for whatever reason Salford can't do it, we can get someone else in to manage it for us. Um, and we, we purposefully built it that way. Um, they own the IP over a couple of like little little functions they've added in. Because um, what we've also done is continue to add functions as we've developed it. So planners have said things like, I'd really like to see what's in, um, what's in Oldham. So we've got, got search function in, which we didn't have before. Nice. nice. Um, unless we have any burning questions from the floor, which I'm sure you can take outside or get on Twitter, then I think we'll wrap up. You've been listening to a Friday lunchtime lecture brought to you by the Open Data Institute.